I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Kaching with Jane King podcast, a podcast from parents to parents to help us teach the next generation about money. Now, today's podcast is brought to you by Wasabi Rabbit. Wasabi Rabbit is a veteran-owned digital marketing agency. It provides brand, campaign, and user experience transformations that accelerate business growth. And I'm so excited to have with us today Roger Young from T. Rowe Price. And Roger, it's the second time you've been with us, so thanks for coming back. It's awesome to talk to you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And we are going to talk about elementary kids and credit cards. So I know T. Rowe Price, Roger, did a study on this, young kids and credit cards. And I thought, say what? Why do young kids have credit cards? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We, we found a number of things in our uh, Parents, Kids, and Money survey. Uh, but yes, one, one of the things we found is a uh, you know, surprising number of, of kids have credit cards. And, and my thought was, yeah, similar to yours, say what? Uh, and, and even thought that maybe they were talking about debit cards, but it does appear that, that a decent number of, of parents ha- let their kids have credit cards. And it's it's a double-edged uh, sword, I suppose. On one hand, we, we've long promoted uh, parents giving their kids the opportunity to make mistakes with money and to you know, have experience you know, spending their own money, making their own decisions, and that, that leads to good outcomes and good confidence. Uh, credit cards to me is, is maybe a little far on that. So uh, I think that there's there's a little a little extra risk with credit cards. Yeah, I would guess so. So I'm looking at the at ages eight to nine. Thirteen percent have credit cards, and also you found that eight to nine year olds, twenty six percent of them pay their own credit card bills. How do they do that? I suppose they, well, hopefully they're limiting their usage and that, that helps them to be able to pay it. That's true. And I'm sure they have a very small limit. Hopefully so, yes. And, you know, more and more uh, people are able to do a lot of things with debit cards that, you know, people my age, you know, that really wasn't an option when we were, you know, starting in the workforce. Uh, so, you know, to me, the debit card is a lot safer of an option. Uh, and, and it does get pretty much what you need it to do. You know, one argument for, for letting young people use a, a credit card is to build a credit history. I, my thinking is you can do that relatively quickly once you have more of a real income than, than the kids in our survey would have. Um, but, but again, if, uh, if parents are being careful about it uh, and limiting, you know, limiting the, the potential damage, um, you know, that, that's... You know, maybe not not completely ridiculous, but 
I think there are other ways to teach your kids about money, and, and debit cards would be one of those. Yeah, it's a really, a really interesting finding here. I, mean, I can understand in high school a credit card with a small limit just to build, you know, you buy your college books or something like that on it. But eight to, I have an eight-year-old and I can't even begin to imagine her with a credit card. So um, very interesting. There's also a lot of other information in this T. Rowe Price study that parents of boys are saving more for college than parents of girls, which I thought was, you know, kind of surprising. We have a long way to go to start supporting our young women a little bit more. Yeah, we, we obviously found it surprising, and that's why we, we highlighted that particular finding. It was not something that we were you know, aiming to, to discover in the survey. It's, it's more of a general survey about how parents and, and kids handle money and teach money. Uh, but, yes, we, we found that, and we found in the past some trends relative to boys and girls. Boys tend to have more conversations about money. Um, we have found that the boys have, have said at a higher rate that their parents are saving. So what we analyzed with this survey was, well, what are the parents saying? And we had to be careful about not misinterpreting the results. Uh, so we looked specifically at parents of all boys versus parents who only had girls. Um, because of the way you ask the questions, if, if you have both a boy and a girl, we couldn't necessarily draw conclusions from the answers. But if they only had a boy or only had girls, um, then it's it's a reasonable way to compare. And we did find that the parents of only boys were you know, saving more. Uh, they were more willing to incur debt. They were less willing to consider lower-priced colleges. So... In general, there's there's a feeling of a higher level of financial commitment among the parents of, of only boys. Wow, that's that is really interesting. My daughter, I was referring to her earlier, and I have, a, I have one of each, a son and a daughter, and um, I find it hard to save for both for college. By the way, <laughs> I, mean, I live yeah. in New York, but I was telling her the other day she's a third grader now, and she used to really be great at math. And she said this year she's just starting not to like it as much. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. And and I told her, I said, you know what, the mathematicians are the ones that make all the money, so you need to stick with that math. So hopefully uh, she continues to feel confident in that area because she had such a strong start. Now, there were some other interesting findings in the study. Uh, more families have college savings and retirement savings. And that's really something I know financial advisors don't recommend. They say re- save that money for retirement first and then college second. Yes, and it's, it's hard to give an exact rule on it. But what we like to recommend is people should at least get on track in terms of retirement before saving for college. Ultimately, it's ideal to do both. And, and we, we even say, if there's a way to sacrifice, you know, cut back on, on some of the luxuries, you know, cut back on the vacations a little bit, cut back on, you know, the extras when you buy a car or make your car last longer. You know, a number of, of things that can help from a lifestyle perspective to be able to do both, that's ideal. Um, but yes, it, it was a little bit discouraging to see that the, the percentage saving for college was actually higher than the percentage saving for retirement. You know, you think about your retirement is, you know, funding your lifestyle for potentially 20, 30 years or more, as opposed to, you know, college is one aspect of life for four or you know, five or six or who knows how many years, but um, a much you know, smaller percentage in a smaller period of time. So that's, that's why, you know, retirement is, is more important to get on track. And of course, you can't, uh, you, you can't borrow for retirement like you can for college. 
That's right. There's no scholarships for retirement, but you can really work those if you're going to college. So, um, yeah, definitely makes sense to, to save more for retirement. Um, and then some people start saving for retirement as soon as the kids graduate from college. But for many people, you've missed if you wait, let's presume you're you have kids in your 20s, you're in your 40s before you start saving. You've missed on a lot of growth over that time, a lot of compound interest. Sure. And yeah, 40s or, or 50s, you know, you think about people are having kids later. And I think about my own situation. And yes, if I were waiting until kids were out of college, that would not leave me a lot of years before you know, hitting 65, 67, 70, kind of, you know, typical common re- retirement ages. Uh, so, yes, that, that is putting yourself in, in a bit of a tough spot if you wait that long. I wouldn't say it's impossible, and it depends on your, you know, your standard of living and, and how much Social Security is going to cover. And if you, if you happen to, to still have a defined benefit pension plan, so everyone's situation is different. But yes, uh, we certainly wouldn't recommend waiting until after your kids are finished with college. Right. And I don't know if you saw this recent nationwide uh, study that was just released in the past week or so about how 28% of retirees underestimate how much it will cost to retire. They're surprised by health care costs and just the day-to-day cost of living. And so they're actually not having a great time in retirement because they're pinching every penny. Yeah, and I think uh, there are certainly lots of studies that, that show that, that people have undersaved. And so they need to be uh, very careful when they're making the decision to, to retire that you know, they've sharpened the pencil and they've, they've really analyzed fully what the expenses look like, uh, what, the, what their income looks like, you know, what their potential income from, from drawing on their assets. You know, something like healthcare, there are pieces of it that are, are relatively predictable. You know, you can figure out based on your income what Medicare costs look like. You can do your homework on what, you know, Medigap, you know, supplemental policies look like and, and Part D for, for drugs. Um, and then those combined somewhat limit the amount of out-of-pocket expenses. So that number is is probably manageable to, to understand. You know, our estimate is most people... It's probably you know fifty five hundred to eleven thousand dollars per year, depending on your income and other choices uh, that, that you'd spend on health care. That's per person. That also excludes long term care, which is is a real wild card because that could be zero for you. Mm-hmm. That could be hundreds of thousands of dollars if you have an extended long term care stay. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, my dad was in a nursing home for a few years. So it's, it's I mean, it's an, an extended nursing home care is extremely expensive. Absolutely. And, and you know, many people need a little bit of long term care or, you know, assisted living as opposed to a full nursing care expense. And, you know, maybe it's only for the last year or two of life. Um, but you want to be prepared for the possibility that it's, it's a lot more than that. Right. Now, what are options for retirement savings for self-employed? They, they have a, like a, a little bit of a different thing than 401k. I mean, there's what, SEP IRAs and different options, and they can put away more, right, if you're self-employed? Sure. If, you, if you're self-employed, the, the SEP IRA does give you an opportunity to save you know, a significant amount more than you can save in a, in a 401k plan. Um, it's, this is one where we would say you do want to talk to a tax advisor because the rules are uh, you know, not simple for, for a non-tax expert to understand. But yes, you could be, be potentially saving you know, around $50,000 per year as opposed to the lower limits on a 401k. 
now of course it's a it's a good problem to have if you if you have that level of savings capacity um, you know another thing that we we try to to tell people is not everything you're saving for retirement has to be in a retirement account uh, and and this is another area where talking to a tax advisor or ta- talking to a financial planner can help you. Uh, it helps to have some diversification of your types of assets. Uh, we talk about Roth being a nice benefit. Uh, it's not necessarily ideal when you're in your peak earning years and uh, paying a high tax rate to, to do Roth, but at some point having some Roth option, uh, some Roth assets gives you more options in retirement. Um, even having a taxable account helps give you some uh, some additional flexibility. So you have to weigh the taxes and the flexibility, and um, you know, being able to uh, plan, you know, plan your tax life and, and your uh, withdrawals you know, with with someone who knows what they're doing uh, once uh, once you get to retirement. Finally, what were some other interesting little nuggets of information that you found in this study? You know, another interesting one that I have kind of mixed feelings about was you know getting back to uh, people sacrificing and, and looking after their kids more than their own retirement. And one was uh, that a lot of people are willing to delay retirement for, uh, for the, the sake of putting their kids through college. And that's one where I, I think it is more of a value decision and you know, a personal preference. I wouldn't necessarily say it's wrong to plan to to push back retirement if it's important to you to send your kids to college. Uh, again, though, I would I would caution people: manage your lifestyle, try to be able to do both uh, if if you can, and also be aware of the fact that not everyone is physically able to work into their 70s. There are a lot of people who make that plan and then have a bit of a rude awakening, you know, in their 60s. Either they aren't able to or you know, things happen with their employer or their job, and, and you know, the, the level of income they were accustomed to goes down significantly. Uh, so, you know, uh, kind of like we, we talk about societal issues like, you know, kids, you know, boys and girls' uh, differences in retirement savings, there's also the, the real fact of um, age discrimination out there. And uh, so counting on that same level of income uh, as, you, as you approach, you know, your 60s and 70s, uh, you just have to be careful with that assumption. Right. Okay. Very good advice. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of treacherous out there in the workforce, so it's always good to save. And it's hard to do, but it's always good to save. So thank you so much, Roger Young, for joining us from T. Rowe Price and kind of breaking down this report for us. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. I enjoyed talking with you and hope uh, hope your listeners got some, uh, some, some valuable tips. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you as well, listeners, for joining us today on the podcast, Kaching with Jane King. And thank you to producer Ben Elman as well. And we always thank our sponsors. And our sponsor today is Wasabi Rabbit. Wasabi Rabbit is a veteran-owned digital marketing agency. It provides brand campaign and user experience transformations that accelerate business growth. And that is all for now. We'll catch you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.